Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Tuesday, September 8th. S&P futures are trading down 10 points. That's about 30 basis points. The Dow futures are trading about unchanged. NASDAQ futures are getting hit very hard. So NASDAQ futures are down about 170 points. That is equal to about 1.5%. So similar composition to the market that we saw late last week with tech getting hit hard. Um, the industrials trading you know, relatively steady are definitely outperforming. Uh, in Europe this morning, the major indices are trading down about 80 basis points, but that follows a pretty healthy rally yesterday. So the European indices are still up about 80 basis points week to date, so including Monday and Tuesday. The major Asian indices for today finished higher for the most part, but that follows um, losses on Monday. So a lot of news to go through. Obviously, we you know long holiday weekend for the U.S., so you have about four days worth of headlines to run through. I it's a very long piece this morning, so look through it for all the details. I'm just going to kind of run through some bigger topic themes. So for the main buckets of kind of macro news in the U.S., uh, you know, just starting for the first on economic growth, nothing too dramatic out over the weekend. The data that was out Sunday night, Monday morning was relatively encouraging. The data that was out Monday night, Tuesday morning was a little bit more underwhelming, but neither really, I think, kind of shifts the trajectory of growth dramatically. Um, some of the figures that were out Sunday night, Monday morning, especially out of Taiwan, were skewed somewhat from a lot of the concern about increased pressure on pieces of the Chinese tech supply chain. And there were some rushed orders that helped Taiwanese exports. Um, but in general, like I said, none of the economic data, I think, is really dramatically altering kind of the macro landscape. For the Fed, um, no change. So obviously, you had a very strong jobs report on Friday. Powell gave an interview to NPR Friday afternoon after the jobs report hit. He acknowledged that it was a, an encouraging one, um, but essentially said, you know, the Fed policy, the new framework whereby they're pursuing this average inflation target and also kind of de-emphasizing low unemployment rates. Um, it means that you're going to see an extraordinarily accommodated policy in place for years and years to come, regardless of what happens on the jobs front. Um, and so that was kind of Powell's message on Friday. Um, the Fed is now in its quiet period ahead of the meeting coming up uh, on September 16th. So remember, there's a lot of controversy still about kind of what enforcement actions will be taken on the 16th. The Fed has outlined this very accommodated policy framework, but now markets are wondering what actions will they take to kind of back it up? Um, you know, will they specifically um, commit to keeping zero, zero interest rate policy in place until the achievement of some type of economic threshold on the inflation front? Um, will they adapt a more formal quantitative easing schedule? It's unclear if the Fed feels the need to kind of rush out incremental steps next week. They're already doing a lot. Rates are already at zero. They're already conducting aggressive quantitative easing. It's just more they provide longer term guidance to markets on the 16th. Um, it looks like they will do that, but that's still um, up in the air in terms of kind of what action takes place next week. On the fiscal front, um, you know, while the Fed is is keeping its foot to the to the um, you know the pedal to the metal, and they're and they're still very very accommodative um, on fiscal front, I think the odds of a pre-election stimulus deal continue to fade. So the Republicans are going to pass are going to try to pass a five hundred billion dollar stimulus bill in the Senate this week. It's unclear if there's even support for that that number. Uh, much less the you know the two plus trillion figure being asked for by Democrats. So Senate Republicans are still the big mitigating factor in this whole process. Um, you know the White House has said that they would sign a deal um, worth about 1.3 trillion, but it's Senate Republicans that again are down at 500 billion, and it's unclear if they can even pass that bill. So if the Senate Republicans can't even pass a 500 billion dollar bill by the end of this week or early next week, 
um, you'd have to assume that you know the, the prospect of any type of pre-election fiscal stimulus bill um, is completely dead. Um, you know, I think markets have been reducing their odds of of, uh, of a fiscal stimulus bill getting passed before the election. Um, and given the Fed, and given how accommodative the Fed is, and given that you are seeing relatively encouraging economic data, I don't necessarily think that um, you know if we do not get fiscal stimulus before November, that necessarily will deliver a death knell to the market. Um, but certainly, um, you know, certainly not a, a positive data point. So definitely, I think the, the odds of a pre-election fiscal bill are fading. On the political front, pretty status quo. No major headlines out over the weekend. Biden is still the front runner. Um, you know, he's still up about seven points nationally in, in the averages. He's still up about three points within the battleground. So within the margin of error on that latter number, but still, um, you know, still a front runner. Um, obviously, this is the home stretch for the campaign. So both sides will be very aggressive over the next two months before November 3rd. Um, you know, I think the market obviously is is uncertain about the outcome on, on of the presidential election, but there's a ton of concern about when the market will learn the outcome of the election. If this is going to be a very protracted, contested outcome um, that, you know, the market will not learn the out, um, you know, who actually won for several weeks. And then there's the issue of the Senate as well, which has a ton of implications for, um, you know, the policy outcome in 2021 and beyond. Um, you know, if you have Biden in the White House and you have the Senate that stays controlled by Republicans, that's that's one thing. If you have Biden plus Democrats in the Senate, and there's been a lot of chatter among Democrats about completely abolishing the filibuster in the Senate, then you can have um, you know a, a pretty aggressive shift in policy outlook. So there are a lot of moving pieces, not just the White House. Um, there's obviously just the logistics of the election when we're going to find out the outcome and then the um, you know the fate of the Senate. So a lot of moving pieces, which is why you have you know reports about an enormous amount of protection put in place around the election timeframe. It's not just for the White House or those other moving pieces as well. On the COVID front, again, relatively status quo on there as well. So in the US, you continue to have cases that are trending lower. So obviously well off of the June and July peak. Um, and then in Europe, you continue to have cases that are that you know that are much higher than they have been over the last few months. On an absolute basis, the US figures are are still relatively elevated. And on an absolute basis in Europe, they're still relatively low. Um, but certainly the trajectory is different. The U.S. is fading. Europe, um, you know, has been uh, worsening. You continue to have a lot of vaccine noise. So Trump again spoke yesterday. He gave a press conference at the White House and again hinted that there could be a vaccine out in October. Um, I think the market now assumes that you will see either um, one of the pharma companies come out and explicitly state that their vaccine is safe and effective before the election, or you're going to see the FDA actually give out a formal um, EUA on one of the vaccines before the election. So I think the market assumes that you're going to see some type of definitive news on the vaccine front before the election. You are seeing a lot of pushback from the pharma industry talking about how they're going to um, you know, adhere to the strictest science, scientific and safety standards as they go about the testing process. And the FDA also is pushing back because there's, FDA is very concerned about having um, you know, its, its identity compromised um, and and people worrying that it's coming under political pressure and compromising its standards for safety as they go out, uh, go about this process of evaluating vaccines. But I think the market still assumes that you're going to see some type of definitive news uh, before the election. Remember, Pfizer had said that it should know by the end of October whether or not its vaccine is safe and effective. Whether or not they're going to get a formal e-way before the election, it's unclear. But um, you should be able to know um, whether where the you know the, the direction the data is heading in before the election. Um, so those are kind of the main big themes for U.S. equities. Like I said, nothing's really shifting dramatically. 
Um, you know, a couple of other items that are that are in focus. So Brexit worries are are surging again. Um, you know, Brexit had kind of um, not been a major focus. It's kind of it's been crowded out, obviously, by a lot of other things that are that are um, you know dominating the macro narrative. Um, you know, I don't think U.S. stocks are really going to care all that much about Brexit. There are just so much other items on the on U.S. investor plates to worry about. Um, you know, it does look like the two sides are kind of hopelessly deadlocked as far as reaching a trade agreement by the end of this year. There's there's now talk in the UK media about, um, you know, about abrogating the original Brexit agreement that was put in place. So not just not reaching a trade agreement, but going back and kind of revising the original Brexit agreement. Again, the, the pound has been coming for sale based on this. Um, I feel like that's going to be the real, um, as far as financial markets, that's going, the pound will be the, you know, the one financial asset that will be reflective of Brexit sentiment. I just don't think it's going to be um, you know, a huge topic for US stocks. US-China relations, again, they continue to fray. So you obviously have both sides that are that are trying to maintain the illusion of the phase one trade agreement, but um, you know, every other part of of the Chinese US-China relationship is is kind of crumbling. So SMIC, which is the largest semiconductor manufacturing firm in China, if that has become the latest flashpoint. Um, after the close on Friday, it was reported that um, the White House and the Pentagon are looking at possibly imposing some Huawei-like restrictions on SMIC. Um, the government subsequently confirmed that over the weekend. SMIC cratered over 20% on Monday trading. It rebounded a little bit uh, this morning on Tuesday. Um, but SMIC, again, another very important tech company um, for China. Uh, you know, Like I said, the biggest semiconductor manufacturing company in China. Um, so that's just the latest flashpoint, probably a mild headwind, I think for semiconductor equipment stocks today, just obviously, um, SMIC had in place very aggressive plans to ramp up output manufacturing capacity, et cetera. Um, and this would just be a big setback for it. So those are the big themes and trends today. And like I said before, in terms of the price action this morning, very similar to what we saw late last week. So tech, very heavy, very aggressively for sale. You had a lot of focus over the weekend on this whole soft bank options controversy and how much that played into this summer tech surge um, in terms of whether or not it was artificial and and we're now just kind of giving all that back. Um, you know, we'll obviously have to wait and see how that, all the, how that unfolds over the coming days. For I sent out a calendar of all this week's major events. You have a lot of sell-side conferences, so this will be a big opportunity for management teams to provide kind of informal guidance or formal guidance to investors about how calendar Q3 is unfolding. Um, so this week and next week is very busy on the sell-side uh, conference front, and this will be kind of the last big update opportunity ahead of the calendar Q3 earnings season, which kicks off in a little bit more than a month in mid-October. You have a couple of earnings reports this week as well, including a few high-profile momentum software companies that obviously will play into the recent theme around software. Um, you have the ECB on Thursday, it should be a non-event. Again, you have the UK, I'm um, sorry, you have the US fiscal negotiation process will kick back off. The Senate, again, if the Senate cannot pass a $500 billion bill, then you can just write um, any hope of stimulus um, off the table, at least before the election. Um, and then there are a lot of other things as well. So check out all those pieces are up on the website. And thank you for listening.